Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is the Lunar New Year and we are doing <laughs> a broadcast. Uh, yeah, but it's an important topic. That's why we decided that we might as well just go ahead with it and, and continue it on the fourth day of the Lunar New Year. So for our overseas friends, you know, we have some uh, listeners on the podcast, which this video will then go on to a podcast as well. We've got a a lot of our listeners actually listening in to us from the US. So uh, hopefully you know that, you know, we, when this goes onto the podcast, it will be probably past the new year already. Um, but this is an important topic that we felt uh, that we should share with everyone. And for those of you who have no clue what I'm talking about, um, this session is really about psychological well-being. So this is episode two uh, out of, uh, I think so far we have about five episodes planned. We have not, we're not sure if we're going to go beyond the five episodes yet. But meanwhile, that within this five episodes. So the first episode was in January and we were talking about a little bit more understanding and introduction into what uh, psychological well-being is, right? And today's session, we're going to be talking about psychological well-being in the workplace, and I really have the honor of inviting a really dear friend of mine. And this friend of mine, have you know, we've gone back a really long time. Uh, we've gotten to know each other in what we call junior college. And then we kind of lost contact for, for a while. And then we reconnected again because he was teaching in a school and he was one of the discipline masters. And I was, you know, invited in to conduct a training for student leaders at that point in time. And then we reconnected then. And I guess along the way, we both of us kind of grew and diversified in what we did. And he became a certified counsellor. And I've gotten involved more into psychological well-being and self-care and these areas of mental well-being. So without further ado, I'm going to invite this dear friend of mine. His name is Kenneth to come in. He is running uh, his own practice called The Pomegranates. And then perhaps he can share a little bit about why he calls his practice The Pomegranates. Uh, and today we will be talking more about psychological well-being in the workplace, right? And for I think for quite a number of people, today is the first day back at work uh, after the long weekend of the Chinese New Year. So why not talk about that at this point in time and see how perhaps after this break, the rest, you kind of like, oh, feel energized and rejuvenated to go back to work. Uh, then how long will this last? And then how does this impact, you know, our psychological well-being? So let's invite Kenneth. Hello, Kenneth. Hello. Hello. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Year to you. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was joking with Kenneth earlier on before uh, coming on live and I was like, in Chinese, we say, uh, Gong Di Fa Chai, right? We say, uh, Happy New Year. And then, Hong Bao Na, like, uh, give me the red packet. And in Chinese tradition, only those who are married will be eligible to issue as a blessing uh, a red packet to those who are single or younger. And then, Kenneth's uh, response was like, I'm not married yet. <laughs> so that makes the two yeah. of us, right? Both of us are not married. We are single and therefore, it's just a very casual, uh, friendly joke between the two of us to, to, to do this. It's very common uh, to, to ask, eh, hong bao na lai? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, Kenneth, how does it feel to be back at work after a long weekend? Or not yet, right, for you? But yeah. Yeah, not how yet. Does... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be back at work tomorrow. Yeah. Are you looking yeah, forward yeah. to it? Um, well, I think I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would prefer to stay at home and lace around and, you know, mm. have, 
yeah i mean play with my dog and whatnot yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and really i think that that kind of kind of summarizes our year as well isn't it in, in this past year, a lot of people perhaps feel quite burnt out and a lot of fatigue working from home uh, because the lines are kind of blurred between work and family and, and personal lives. And I think because of this COVID situation, uh, a lot of attention is being brought to this psychological well-being, Right, especially in the workplace. Like, how do you start to draw boundaries, perhaps, about when is work time, when is personal time? How do I start to take care of my psychological well-being or my mental health? Right, and I read a few articles uh, over this past few months about you know the concept of burnout in the workplace, of fatigue, of like work fatigue. Of course, there's Zoom fatigue lah, but that's another conversation, right? <laughs> Yeah, so I think if we jump straight into the conversation, oh, we have five viewers. Hello, if you are here, you can just drop us a message and say hi to us. Joining us in today's show. So we're going to jump straight into talk about, you know, what is the impact of being psychological, psychologically well in the workplace? What happens if I'm not well? You know, have you in your experience, Kenneth, uh, in, interacted and... I don't know, counsel people who are from the workplace? Mm -hmm. I think I do have quite a few clients, quite a handful of clients who are uh, who came to me because they are feeling very stressed out at work. Um, they came to me because they do not know how to handle um, those stresses at work. Um, and, and it really got into them and they felt very stressful, very, very anxious. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, when you look at them, it's like, you know, they are quite upset, frustrated. Um, Singaporeans like to use the word depressed, right? So they, they look basically rather depressed as well, right? So um, of course, they're not uh, diagnosed with depression. But I mean, of course, because Singaporeans lingo, right? We always say that, you know, oh, this person really look depressed. But I think uh, underlying these this word, right, uh, that, that I mean, they are really feeling very upset, they're feeling very burnt out, uh, they're feeling very tired, they do not know what to do, they feel trapped, they feel helpless, and, and every day going to work is, is really very dreadful for them, right? So I have really quite a handful of clients who are like that, right? Um, okay. And it, it came from all sorts of reasons. I mean, there are all sorts of reasons that make them feel really burnt out. It could be work, uh, it could be a collegial relationship, Mm. Right, it could be the um, for all you know, it could be abuse as well. So, I've got a client who came, um, so I'll not name that organization, uh, but apparently, the top management actually abused her wow. in some ways. So, it, 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 in, the, in that sense, it's actually a psychological abuse. Wow, right? of course, yeah, of, of course, the, the client could have just gone to you know, MOM and report the person. But every time when you want to report a person, there are always so many considerations in that sense, right? And some, somehow they refuse to report. Yeah, so I, I guess uh, when it comes to psychological well-being, this becomes a very, very pertinent topic uh, to talk about how uh, we can protect ourselves and make sure that we are psychologically well in workplace. Mm. And... Yeah. and <clears throat> 
out of, I mean, based on your experience having these conversations with these clients that you have, and I'll share a little bit about what I know as well later on, right? I'm just curious to find out from you, um, through the conversations that you have with them, through the counseling that you have with them, how how might you know being psychologically unwell or or abused in in that particular client's case, uh, impacted perhaps their performance in the workplace. Um. Well, I, I guess in general, in general, right, uh, they will not be able to perform well, right, uh, because they will not be, uh, they, they are, they will not be able to meet deadlines. Even if they are able to meet deadlines, uh, they feel that they would not have, you know, given the the best, uh, work that they could, right. Um, uh, but on the flip side, you know, every time when they when they hand in a piece of work, um. Like this case that I have, uh, the one that has been psych psychologically abused, uh, work. Her, I mean, the the work that she produced, right, will never be seen as good enough. Oh wow! Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so um, I guess it, people who are not psychologically well at workplace usually they underperform, mm. or they couldn't perform at all. They are mm. pretty stuck. Right, they cannot perform or they underperform, right? Um, okay. Some symptoms maybe, right? Uh, they will not be able to communicate well with colleagues. They will not will not be able to communicate well with their bosses. They fear. So it so other than feeling stressed out with things, they uh, a big part of it would be fear as well. So they are fearful of um, their bosses. They are fearful. Mm of uh, their colleagues uh, to a very large extent as well uh, they may feel paranoid so instead of seeking help from HR or seeking help from some colleagues they become very uh, uh, very quiet they pull themselves away from the group yeah so these are some way uh, some some symptoms right mm, so it's okay. not just stress I, I, I would also say there's a lot of fear as well Nice. I think yeah. it's it's very relevant. Uh, I think from my experience, you know, interacting with with people from different organizations and in the workplace, uh, some of them are youth, right? Meet youth, meaning that they probably just recently graduated and they just joined the workforce, and already they are they are experiencing this kind of uh, things that you just described. You know, they don't feel like they can trust their colleagues. They don't mm -hmm. feel like they are in a safe space to explore mm -hmm. and experiment, uh, to learn, you know, to ask questions. Uh, and mm -hmm. then that kind of impacts them in terms of their well-being because they're, like, they're, they're always concerned or worried that, you know, what if I say something and then it gets misinterpreted? What if I uh, do something and and uh, I get penalized, right? Or I get judged, um, and I think that, like you mentioned, right, it impedes on their ability to perform, and therefore also then reduces productivity, right? Because I'm so scared that I might make a mistake, I'm so worried that I might be judged. I want to play safe, and when I want to play safe, I might double, triple, quadruple check my work. Not that it's a bad thing. It's just, it's just that it it impedes my performance when I something that I could probably just do one time or two or just check one more time and then submit it. I probably want to check like ten times before I submit it. So instead of 
being able to complete two or three tasks in that timing, I would probably then only complete one task, right? Um, and also in terms of effectiveness of the work I do, I start to second guess myself, right? Yeah. And, and all this starts to affect my work performance and then I, I still get blamed for it anyway, right? I get blamed for being not so productive or not so efficient. I need to manage my time well. That's the kind of conversations that, that bosses might have with their, their staff lah, in terms of how come you're not performing so well. Is that similar to some of the experiences you might have had with your clients? Yeah, yeah very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's it's interesting, right? Like like and and I think because of COVID and it's being highlighted so much, there are more and more organizations that are paying attention to psychological well being in the workplace. Right, there are mm-hmm. more. I see more articles on on Inc. dot com or HBR Harvard Business Review, uh, you know, or the Fast Company and and so on and so forth uh, on Medium, uh, even Amy Edmondson, who is uh the the guru of psychological safety, right? There are several uh, counselors and psychologists uh, who are also talking about this. There are more companies actually going into what is this thing called psychological well-being? Mm-hmm. So there is an impact uh, in, in the workplace with regards to this. So then the next question really is, uh, how do I, you know, what can, what can I as an individual do or B, to be psychologically well? What do I need to take note of? Or are there any tips or tricks for me to, you know, take care of myself in terms of my psychological well-being? Right, I think there are many resources out there, right? Um, From counsellors, from coaches, from uh, life coaches, from uh, yourself. I think you also teach that to many clients as well, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but there, there are really, really many methods to be psychologically well. Uh, so maybe we'll just talk about a few first. Uh, oh. Then we'll see whether these be, whether we actually practice such uh, methods or ways to be psychologically well or not, right? Yeah, so uh, for myself, I'm, I'm also a, a mindfulness practitioner. Yeah, so I do teach... Uh, mindfulness practices to clients, right? So, um, so mindfulness would be at the top of my list, right? Of course, there are mm. other methods as well, but I should, let me just go through mindfulness. And I'm very sure, Michelle, you are also quite well-versed in mindfulness practices as well, right? Yeah, so uh, so what's, what's about mindfulness is that, uh, I mean, recently, these few years, there is this mindfulness uh, movement. Everybody is talking about being mindful. Everybody is talking about, you know, uh, having to practice mindfulness uh, uh, in 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 our everyday life, be it in at work or be it at home or whatever. We need to practice mindfulness. But what exactly is mindfulness? Um, so there are again many people who would say, "Oh, my, being mindful is to just meditate." Uh, that's not really true. Uh, being mindful is about uh, being extremely aware of every single thing around you. Um, yes, in some ways, but I guess if you want to be mindlessly mindful, then that's not mindfulness as well. You know, right? So there are attitudes towards practicing mindfulness. And I think mindfulness is, cannot be seen as just a tool, but I would say that 
uh, if you choose to be mindful, then you are creating a new habit, right? If you want to be mindful, then probably you're choosing a lifestyle, a certain habit, a certain lifestyle uh, that will guide you into being aware of things around you, not just being aware of things around you, but being aware of what's happening in you as well and how you respond to external uh, external events, triggers, influences, and whatnot, right? So really being mindful is, uh, uh, being mindful is also being mindful about thoughts, about what you're thinking, being mindful about what, how you're feeling towards certain external triggers, right? So I think what's important about being mindful, right, is to uh, catch yourself, as much as we can when we have certain negative thoughts or we have certain negative emotions towards certain external triggers or events right yeah so uh mindfulness in this case and how do we practice in workplace right so i guess we need to start with self right right so it's about being aware of how you feel towards work so it cannot be mm. a case where you know um i feel that i am already stressed out but i i try not to feel it i try not to recognize it i try not to acknowledge that i suppress it and then i move on with life right uh, so that is going that is not being mindful so being mindful in this context probably would be catching yourself feeling stressed over work and acknowledge that you are feeling stressed over work and once you acknowledge that you are stressed over work, right, then we've got to make certain decisions to see uh, or rather uh, to, to know what choices we have first before we make certain decisions about what we should do next. But I guess the first part about, about being mindful is that we need to catch ourselves, right, and acknowledging that we are feeling stressed. Catching ourselves and acknowledging that something is not right, rather than just moving forward without um, and ignoring all these things. So, right, so uh, I I'm gonna throw I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna throw a spanner into this as well, right? Because I've heard responses yeah. from people who say this as well. Um, mm. So I'm gonna role play a bit, lah. Huh? So I'm let's say I'm I'm yeah. I'm the person that you're talking to, right? And you tell me, oh, I need to be, I be I need to be able to catch myself experiencing some of these thoughts or these emotions towards my work and tell you let you say i need to acknowledge it but if i acknowledge it uh, am i being weak or not you know i'm not being strong only only strong people can go through all these like this all these things is nothing just brush it aside yeah then then i'll come out stronger Right, so if I acknowledge mm -hmm. uh, and say that hey, actually I feel very lousy like, at work, you know, I feel mm -hmm. so stressed, I, I really don't enjoy, no, I don't even feel like waking up in the morning to, to go to work. Am I being weak? Uh? Am I being weak? Am I being just this underperformer uh, that I won't get promoted? You know? Right, right. So many people will tell you, yes, they are weak, right? But uh, of course, coming from a counselor's point of view, you will always tell the clients that you are not weak. Right. I mean, if you think about it, on I mean, on hindsight, um, how how would acknowledging myself being stressed make you a weak person? Because I think it takes courage 
to acknowledge that you are feeling stressed and you're feeling burnt out and you're probably feeling that you know the work is too much for you to handle i think it takes a bit of courage for you to feel that way and to feel vulnerable right and that that courage to make uh, to the courage to feel vulnerable makes you a strong person in, in that sense right work itself is external right we may see we may see that okay we might be weak because of like you know we, we succumb to work lah. so in that sense i may say that i'm weak but you are succumbing to your own in, 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 in internal emotions as well in that sense if you don't recognize that you are weak mm. right so mm. if you if you i mean if you are feeling stressed out and you have that courage to admit that you are feeling stressed out, burnt out, and work is just too much for you now, right? On that note, you are strong. Mm -hmm. So we are not saying that, hey, you acknowledge that you are feeling stressed and burnt out, and let's just quit now. Mm. But you are not quitting the job. You're still in the job. We are just saying that let's acknowledge that you are now feeling stressed out, you are now feeling burnt out, you are now feeling upset with the amount of work that you have so that we can then look at the kind of choices we have and then make certain decisions about it mm. mindful decisions mm. so we are not saying that hey you give up your work and you leave the company we're not saying that right we are not saying that hey you know you should just take mc now and don't go to work but you i mean you're still going to work but we need to acknowledge these things first before we can actually make informed choices mm. right then make certain decisions on how we can actually manage this. Because, because if we don't acknowledge that we are you know, stressed out, then we will not look at the choices that we have. Because the choices would present differently. Yeah, the, the, the choices would present very differently if you acknowledge uh, that you are stressful or you don't acknowledge that you are stressful. The choices would be different. Mm. isn't it because yeah. if i say that i am not stressed right then my choice would be let's go forward let's take more jobs let's whatever but if you acknowledge that hey i am stressed out the choices would be probably okay that maybe let's take a break 15 minutes let's talk to our, our managers about it let's talk to whatever let, is it because of um, one of the choices maybe okay let's review my work processes so it's only through acknowledging that i am stressed burnout. out my work is really piling up, then I will look at the more objective choices before I can make a certain informed decisions, a decision about it. Right? Mm. Yeah. So whether or not yeah. you acknowledge yeah. would have an impact on the choices. Nice. I actually agree yeah. a lot with what you just said. And hi, those of you who just joined us, right? If you start listening in and you're wondering, like, what are we talking about? We're talking about psychological well-being in the workplace. And, you know, if you have questions or you have comments to make based on what we're sharing, please do like, drop us a comment below and then ask your questions below as well uh, so that we can then respond to it. If, if it's anything that's relevant to you, it would be really helpful. Yeah, so I, 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 I acknowledge and I resonate with what you mentioned about uh, like being aware of what you're experiencing at that moment in time and then being able to acknowledge that this is what you're experiencing rather than brushing it aside. I, I, I remember this phrase uh, that someone mentioned to me, what you resist persists. So the mm. more you resist, 
something, the more you say that, no lah, I'm not like that lah, or you know, uh, I, 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 I'm just a weakling if I admit that I'm feeling stressed, you know. Um, the more you resist it, the more it's going to persist, the more it's going to come back and haunt you uh, because you, you, you don't want to take note of, you don't want to pay attention to it. And, and it, it, it's not going to go away. It's still going to be there. But the moment you pay attention to it, right, to address the signs and the symptoms and whatever that might come up from it, uh, you're able to then tackle the issue right, and, and manage the, the challenges that you're facing at that moment in time. And I like you mentioned that, you know, uh, being acknowledging uh, how you're experiencing that moment does not mean that you quit. Acknowledgement of the experience does not equate to giving up or quitting in the moment. Right. So I, I really uh, appreciate that that point that you brought up. Acknowledgement actually doesn't necessarily lead to quitting. Right. It might. That was one option that you might have. Right. Uh, but what it does is it opens up the other options as well. Right. Rather than quit, can I pause for a moment, which is what Kenneth mentioned about you know taking a break for fifteen minutes. Right. Going off um, even for a two week sabbatical. Right. To just say I need. of just how I'm myself or to rejuvenate myself in that sense. Um, and that's important, you know. So, so imagine you're, you're a handphone, right, or a mobile device and your battery is reducing, right? Your energy is reducing or maybe you reach 50% already. You have a choice. If you acknowledge that it's 50%, you have a choice. Do I charge it or do I not charge it? Right? And these are just two of the choices. I can also charge a bit, lah, charge to 75%. Right, or I can say never mind, let the 5%, then I decide what to do next. So you have a like at this point, I'm just using this analogy, I've already given four possible options. Right. There might be more options, right? Or 25%, 75% is a gauge. It could be 30%, be 80%, and, and decides. Right. So I guess you get to you can have that conversation with the people that you're inside together. Right, maybe recharge how to, to what point do we we allow ourselves to deplete? What level do we deplete to before we raise a flag and say, hey, I need to recharge now? Right. Sometimes taking a coffee break is also a good way to just, you know, going to the pantry, getting water. And nowadays when we are working on, on online so often, on a Zoom meeting, it's also okay to just I take a five minute to just go and do a bio break, you know, or to just take a break from this conversation. Not not with no disrespect to anyone, but let's just take a break for five minutes and, and think through what we just discussed. So sometimes a break helps our brain and, and we come from a brain science perspective. It helps our brain to kind of allow it to think through what's been discussed and what we've been talking about. Right. So so I like what Kenneth mentioned also about, you know, we can also be mindlessly mindful. <laughs> right. We 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 just think that I ah, everything also mindfulness, ah, everything also must be aware of. And then it becomes if it becomes everything is actually nothing. Right. Yeah. Because it's just too overwhelming to, to try and take note of everything. So hmm. so if I was to kind of like reverse that, right, can we be mindfully mindless? <laughs> So being aware of oh, when, okay. <laughs> yeah, being aware of of when we choose to switch off the mind, to 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 be mindless, to 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 just stare into space, even for a, 
right? Uh, will, we, will, will that help with our psychological well-being? Actually, it will. And there's a lot of science and research to, to determine, like, like when we see our colleagues during a meeting doodling in the, in, in the, on their notepad, it's not that they are not paying attention sometimes, right? It's, not, it's really they are trying to process all this information that's coming and the doodling helps them to transfer all the, the additional distracting thoughts onto paper so that the mind has a space to process what the information is. So, so there is research and science to say that you know, doodling is a good way to process uh, there's other there's other research to say that you know being mindful to build on what uh, Kenneth mentioned being mindful allows us to have that space to be able to focus better to pay attention better, right? Uh, and and being mindful allows us to have a pause a moment, uh, to to just have that space to breathe. And typically in mindfulness practices, if we go into the practices, a lot of the practices ask us to focus on our breath. Right to, to to I think there's the awareness of breath practice. There's uh sitting the sitting practice, and a lot of these practices actually will start off with not uh bring your attention towards your breath, notice your breath going in and out, and so on and so forth. is a point uh, for us to anchor ourselves. That's one. The breath is not is something that's accessible to all of us as long as we're alive. Right and the the way that we can treat life there is an inhale and there's an exhale so there's a moment of taking in and there's a moment of letting go right and in in the work that we do in the workplace to be psychologically well is to to also have that discernment to know what to take in and how much to take in and then how much to let go and to let out right if you hold your breath in no matter how big a breath you take in, right? You hold, how long can you wait for? Some people can hold for very long, huh? Let's not disclaim that, right? Some people can hold maybe the breath for five minutes. Then what happens after five minutes? They still have to let it out. And then if you let out your breath all the way, right? Again, how much can you let out? After a while, you still have to take in again. So with every in and out, that's one plus in between every in and out, there's actually a pause. It's not an immediate thing. So that pause also allows the brain to say, okay, now, well, I think I hold for very long already, uh, my breath. I think now I must let out. Lah. If not, then the brain starts to go into a, a moment of survival, right? Like, ah, please let me out. You know, that kind of situation. So, so that's perhaps how we can treat our life as well, lah, to be psychologically well. Again, like I think Kenneth mentioned, this is just one strategy. Mindfulness is just one strategy for us to be psychologically well. Uh, different people have different strategies. I, I know of people who say sports, right? Let me go play badminton, squash. Uh, you know, when I squash, I smash the, the ball against the wall. Wow, it feels so good to release that, that tension and that energy. I go for a run. I play basketball. Uh, so sports is one way. Uh, art is another way. Art is another form of expression. Um, any other ways that, that perhaps we could explore to be psychologically well uh, as an individual, Kenneth? Um, I, I guess it's also to form your own support network. Mm. Right. Um, um, especially in the workplace. I mean, when I say form your own support network, doesn't mean that you need to, 
you know, join any cliques or you need to have you know, everyone to be on your side or anything like that. Um, on the contrary, not exactly, because I think if we look into um, different personalities, there are many of us who, okay, research says about 2%, I think. Okay, never mind. Right, so there are <laughs> quite a good handful of us who are introverts, right? So introverts don't quite like crowd, you know, in that sense. So, I mean, of course, for introverts who are, you know, uh, feeling stressed out at work, um, what they could do is to actually just find maybe a buddy, a friend. I think a friend will do, right, so that they can actually grouse over certain unhappiness over work, uh, about work, I mean, right. Yeah, so sometimes I think having one friend is good enough for introverts. Two, that's the area. Um, but of course, sometimes... Um, it might be difficult. I mean, of course, if the company is a small company or if a department is really a small department uh, and you don't quite see other departments uh, day to day, then uh, sometimes it might be difficult to even find a friend uh, to support mm. you in, in the workplace. Then I guess uh, we, we've got to fall back on friends who don't work in the same place as you are. You know, so if we, can, if we do have friends outside of work, my own personal friends. I think it's good uh, to ventilate. It's good to talk to them about how you you are at work, all right. So that at least you do have a channel to talk about or to voice out certain unhappiness that you have at work, mm. right? I think that's important. I think being able to ventilate is important, right? Mm. Yeah, being able to talk about what you are experiencing at work. I think that's important. Right. Uh, yeah. So I think that is also one way that we can be uh, psychologically well. Hmm. Uh, so psychologically well, I think it doesn't mean that we must feel, you know, totally not stressed out. You know, we must feel totally happy at work or we must feel totally at ease at work. I think psychologically well at workplace is not really referring to that. I mean... I mean, let's face it, as long as we are working, we will feel the stress, all right? Mm. Uh, we will feel, we will be upset by certain events. We will uh, face certain workplace politics, right? Yeah, so psychologically well doesn't mean that we must always feel happy at work. On the contrary, I think, I think if we feel that, uh, or rather if we do have experiences that upsets, upsets us, all right, or or that you know we don't feel very happy at work. I think being psychologically well then is to catch that early and try to make certain choices, right? So mm. it's not about you. It's not about the need to feel happy all the time, right? It's about being very aware of your emotions towards work, right? Mm. About how you feel towards work. What's your mental state like towards work? You know, if I'm getting stressed out now, yes, yeah, so a certain level of stress is good because it pushes you a little bit. But beyond that, I think you would know because every one of us, we do have our baseline emotions. Anything that is beyond our baseline emotions, we would be able to tell. In fact, we are all very sensitive to our emotions. It's only when we turn a blind eye to it. We thought that we can just push a bit further, just push a bit further. Everybody's the same, so let's just push a bit further. I think... That's precisely it, right? Because everybody is the same. So everybody is feeling so stressed out, but nobody is talking about it. 
you know? <laughs> right. So, so uh, yeah. So I think being psychologically well in this case is really not about feeling happy all the time, but being mm. aware about your psychological state, your emotions at that point in time or that during that period of time and make mm. certain choices. So back to what can I do, right? Uh, really, again, is to find your own support network. That's important. Being mindful so that you can make certain choices, right? Uh, certain objective choices. So if you're not mindful, again, you will not be able to make objective choices or decisions, mm. right? Mm. Um, yeah, playing sports. I think sports is really good because if you, if you exercise, right, it will produce good hormones in your brain and naturally you will feel good after that. Right, so mm. that releases that that reduces the harmful chemicals in your brain, right? And mm. this is well researched, right? So it's good to exercise. So anyone, any viewers out there who are like PE teachers or you know, uh, exercise freak, that's your time to say, yeah, that's right, man, right? <laughs> and it's really, really well supported, right? That exercise uh, does uh, reduce harmful uh, chemicals in our brain and mm. increases good chemicals in our brain yeah yeah so i think exercises is good do something that you like you know find a mm. hobby but of course some people would say that they don't have hobbies right and they're still searching i think that's fine that's really fine i mean at least you're mindful of that but then do something that you feel more relaxing like going for a walk go to the seaside and be just just emo about it i mean if go, going to the seaside and feel emo about it and if that releases your stress Go for it. Sometimes it's just to get in touch with our emotions rather than, you know, pushing our emotions aside. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, mm -hmm. I, think I, I, I definitely agree with you in terms of the support network. And I think some of us really find it difficult to share with, with you know, either our colleagues or even with our friends. Because sometimes we, we say that they don't understand, you know, no matter, like, like you're not in my workplace. If it's my friends, like you're not in my workplace. You won't understand what I'm experiencing in my workplace, you know, the kind of uh, environment I'm in, uh, the kind of bosses that I have to deal with or the clients I have to deal with. You don't understand. And then in the workplace, I might not feel safe, you know, for me to share with my colleagues because, you know, who knows whether they will tell my bosses or, you know, if, my, if it's my boss, will my boss penalize me, you know, in my performance? So, which is why, I think in this past few months or so, uh, there is also a, a encouragement to then seek some form of professional support, right? Approach a counselor or a therapist, depending on the conditions or the the, the experiences that you are you are going through, uh, to actually approach uh, professionals like that, right? Because um, to go for counseling or to go for therapy isn't because you are unwell. More it is to support you in continuing to be well as well, right? So I think if we use the analogy of exercise, as we shared earlier, you don't exercise when you're falling sick, ma. <laughs> you know when I tell you, wow, I, got, I think I got a bit of fever already, or I, I'm, I'm running, having a running nose, then I go and run. Usually by that time, you say don't run really, la. that time rest, rest, right? Uh, so more that you will do these exercises, you go and play badminton, you will go and, you know, um, go to the gym when you are well so that you maintain this wellness that you have, this well-being that you already have. So similarly, to have a conversation with a counsellor when you're finding like slight, like slight symptoms or slight signs of, of stress, right? And, and it's de-stress, not the you stress, right? So you stress is the positive or the good stress, 
right? The kind that challenges you, that motivates you. Um, this distress is is when it's demotivating or you feel low in your morale, uh, low moods uh, for long periods of time. Uh, then these are already signs and symptoms to say I I might need to speak to someone, and having to speak to a counselor or a therapist or even a coach um, allows that neutrality, allows that confidentiality. Uh, to not have other people using it against you, uh, but really having a way that you, uh, an avenue, like a channel for you to um, let it out, you know, to somewhere. And the and actually sometimes we say counselors and therapists also need an avenue la, to let it out because people download onto them, they will have to download somewhere else. So there are counselors for counselors, there are therapists for therapists, and that's that's in their their own industry, right? And there are coaches for coaches as well. Uh for, for us to kind of like share the load. Um but yeah, so so that's one of the 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 ways, right? If you really find that you don't have friends, you don't you, or you, rather you don't find that it's fair to offload to your friends or fair to offload to your colleagues because you also don't want to add on to their stress or to their uh, challenges in their lives, then seek someone professional. They will know how to support you. They will know how to support themselves in, in, in how to manage whatever emotions that you are experiencing. Uh, I think the other one that Kenneth mentioned was about um, uh, this concept of being psychologically well is not that you're totally at peace and calm all the time. Right? It's it's what I say it's an ideal situation. I, I yeah, it's maybe. Difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as you're human, right? Yeah. 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 And and like I think we mentioned earlier that it's good stress and there's bad stress, right? So so mm-hmm. stress is a good motivator actually. Uh when when used productively or used constructively uh, to become motivating, to challenge, you know, for us to think out of the box, for us to enhance uh, our performance. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it can, when we're not leveraged upon uh, in, in, a, in a positive manner or constructive manner, uh, it, become, it, can be, it can become destructive. Right, it's it's again discernment, discern it being able to discern, uh, what what works or what doesn't work at that point in time, and what works for me, uh, So what might be motivating for me might not be motivating for Kenneth. Right, what might be motivating for Kenneth might not be motivating for me. So Kenneth plays the piano, and he also teaches people to play the piano. Uh, so for him, I think one of the ways, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Kenneth, uh, when he wants to de-stress or wants to, you know, offload, music is one of his channels. And playing the piano is, no? <laughs> playing the piano. Oh, you sleep. Uh. <laughs> I play my sleep dog. Sleep is your best friend. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Or just do nothing. Oh, yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah, really I, just do nothing. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah. the weekend doing nothing, actually. This, this Chinese New yeah. Year weekend. Yeah, basically, yeah. I was, I was telling my 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 other uh, associate. I said, "Oh, I'm sorry to to have not replied you this weekend. I was busy doing nothing." <laughs> I mean, of course, you can't be like you know, really, literally doing nothing. Of course, you're always doing something, some you know, every moment, you know. But yeah. I mean, what I mean by doing nothing is really not to do any work. Uh, not to think about not work, work related, you know, right? Just, not work related. Yeah, just do whatever you want to do. Just go out, have a cup of coffee, just chillax. You know, if you like to bake a cake, I mean, I've got colleagues who 
they are very stressed, but they will bake cakes, and they they feel that you know baking cakes will actually make them feel uh, better. Uh, mm. But I can't. When I feel stressed, I just do. I just do not want to do anything. So I'll just literally sit on the sofa. Uh, I'll just gaze out of the window. I'll just maybe drink a cup, a cup of coffee, look at my dog, play with my dog a little bit, walk around the house, do nothing, think about nothing. You know, right? So I, I thought. Um, well, I mean, it may sound like, oh, this guy is just so lazy, right? <laughs> oh, but yeah, I just like to lace around where, I, where I'm stressed out with things. I mean, this is how I recuperate. Um, and I think what's important is that don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. Right, because there are so many people who feel guilty not doing anything at all. So they thought that, you know, I need to be productive at work. So I need to be productive at home as well. I need to be productive. If not, everybody would see me as somebody who's lazy and whatnot. Uh, I think we've got to change the world. <laughs> right. Tell people yeah. that yes, there's a time where we work really very hard. Um, there's a time where it's really time for ourselves and we can just do whatever that we wish to do during that period of time to recuperate from whatever hard work that we've put in. You know, it's our time. So let's just give that time to ourselves. And I think a lot of yeah. times we seek permission from other people. We seek permission mm. to say, hey, can I take a break? I need to apply for leave. Right, I need to seek permission to, to at home, relax. Right? Yeah, yeah, to to be at home and to do nothing, right? And and even when I get that permission from someone, sometimes I don't feel relaxed. Sometimes I don't feel like I can take a break because the the other person that I haven't asked permission from is myself. I haven't asked permission from myself. Is it okay for me to take a break? Can I give myself permission to take a break? You know, to to do to stare out of the window or to look at the sea or to just look at the birds flying by and watch the clouds float by. I haven't given myself that permission, even though I I might have given a proof leaf from my bosses or from my colleagues. Uh, but I haven't given myself that permission. I feel guilty, as what Kenneth mentioned, because I find that hey, how come everybody else is working but here I am, you know, just doing nothing. Yeah, and I think that that kind of like leads us to that la to the to to kind of like the last question that we might want to discuss tonight, right? Which is, in in this case, I I didn't give myself permission to to take leave or to relax, but I know that there are certain times in the organizations itself, even after you take you apply for leave and they approve the leave, right? Emails are still coming in, right? WhatsApp messages or SMSs are still coming in. Uh, you sometimes do get phone calls from your colleagues and say, hey, you know, uh, I know you're on leave today and I know that you're taking time off to spend with your family or whatever, uh, but I really need a response for this at this point in time, right? So so I guess we can do a lot of things and I think we spend like easily about half an hour talking about what I can do or what I can be to help myself be psychologically well. Do, do I really, do I need the organizations themselves or the, like the companies, you know, themselves to actually support the staff and the colleagues to be psychologically well? I, I think they need to. I think it's about role modeling, isn't it? <laughs> right. So, I mean, if, I mean, if as leaders, if you're not able to, you know, uh, be psychologically well, then that might cascade down to your staff, right? And, and it depends on you as well. I mean, if let's say you can be, you can be, I mean, as a leader, you can, you can be very stressed out with work as well. And you thought that, hey, because as a leader, I need to be stressed out. You know, as a leader, I need to hold so many things. I need to do all these things. And thus, my staff need to do that as well. Because since I'm like that, 
my staff needs to be like that and they cannot complain because I'm also like that. So if I can do it, they can do it too. But I think that's not a fair statement. Right. Yeah. And I think we, we, we need to look at different people with different personalities, different abilities, uh, yeah, different skill set and whatnot. Right. And not to just, um, you know, ignore the psychological well-being of staff. So, so I guess it starts from leaders, right? The leaders themselves, right, would have to, uh, create a place where you know they have conversations about psychological well-being and actively deal with it mm. right so leaders have got to start uh that ball rolling first right mm. so i read a few articles also right that that mentioned that as part of the leadership development or or promoting someone to become a leader in the organization. Actually, part of the competencies that uh, we need to kind of like start looking at is whether first, whether the leader or this person that is going to be promoted or this person that's going to be appointed as a leader of the organization, do they themselves have a practice of uh, self-care or do they themselves understand what psychological well-being is? Uh, and also, you know, whether they, they know... Uh, they, they are aware of, so not know, not so much about knowing, but at least have the awareness of how they might be want, they might want to support their team their, or their colleagues around them uh, in terms of their psychological well-being. Kenneth, do you think that this is an important uh, trait or an important uh, criteria on, on the leadership in an organization? Yeah, I think if, if based on what I said just now about role modeling, then I think this is very, very important. Uh, it's just like, you know, uh, there are, there are stuff, I mean, or rather there are clients that I met, right, saying that, you know, they are not, they are, they are not, or they are, they are afraid to go home, right? They're afraid to go home because their bosses are still around. Mm. Right. But of course, if the bosses are still around, they may really have genuinely something to do. But I think, the communication to the staff then would be, you, know, you guys, you know, after after this particular time, right, you're not obliged to stay. So you can go home despite me being around, right? So I think, uh, like, like uh, uh, what I mentioned again, I think psychological well-being has got to be talked about very actively in the workplace, right? And it should be led by um, the, the leaders themselves. Right. Uh, I mean, the HR can do it because now I think the HR is doing a lot of things as well. They are also looking into no well-being of, of staff. Um, but it, it's, it's going to be very different if the leaders themselves were to sit with staff right, to actively talk about psychological well-being. Right? Mm. Because then um, the, the staff would buy in you know, because leaders believe in it. And, mm. and if the leaders don't believe in psychological well-being, Right. Uh, if it's just about, you know, we've got to, you know, in Hokkien Chong, <laughs> right? We just got to go forward and move forward, run forward, just do and do and do and do. If, if, if an organization has that belief, right, then you have got to find staff with the same belief, mm. right? Same value. But if not, if, if a staff doesn't hold that same value, then it becomes very, very difficult, right? Yeah, and of course, then people who just wants to keep forward, moving forward, right? Um, I think we also need to ask about 
people's different people having different threshold as well mm. you know so yeah so it cannot be just about moving forward but what i mean i need to care for myself first in order to help the company yeah. move forward if i become stressed out if i cannot perform right you, the company's beliefs and values will not work anyway mm. right so i think yes we want to move forward i mean every company wants to do well right yeah. i mean which company wouldn't want to do well but at the same time you need your staff to be well first before we can move the company we mm. need the staff to be well first before we can before the company can be well in that sense in that sense mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. So we want to because yeah. ultimately these are the people who are going to run the company for you, right? Mm. Uh, of course, I don't know. Some maybe some 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 managers or some bosses may think that well, no one is indispensable. Well, you know, if this person is not able to perform, well, he can leave. I will get in another person. But sometimes I also feel that you know the staff turnover rate. That means you also need to put in man hours to train the people to you know to reorient the people right so i thought that is also a waste of resources a waste of time right mm. so then i will also then doubt that you know when you when you interview the person right the the the, the attitude of a person needs to you i mean you trusted the person and that's why you you want to employ that person right yeah. so if you trust that person, if you employ that person, then I guess it's about grooming the person. It's about making this person stay, retain the person, so that this person can become an asset to the company in time mm. to come, right? Mm. Yeah. So if if the if staff turnover is always very high, right, then you've got to retrain, reorientate, retrain, reorientate. You're wasting resources, I feel, and mm. I do not know where the asset is then, right? So human asset is important, and so I think investing in the psychological well-being is important. No, that's my take. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a boss, yeah. but I mean, that's just my take. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> telling CEOs what to do, but but that's just yeah. my my point of view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree yeah. with you in terms of that. To when you hire someone, is really to trust the person that you're hiring, right? If not, then why did you hire the person in the first place? And I guess that's one of the things that I find in this past few months of exploring psychological well-being is also this concept of psychological safety, right? Uh, do, do I, as an organization or as a, as a culture within the organization, uh, actually provide uh, a sense of safety for my staff, right? For my colleagues, for the people I hire. And when we talk about psychological safety, sometimes people say, huh, then I must be nice to them, is it? I must praise them all the time. I must uh, make sure that they are, they, they are safe. Lor. I cushion their fall. Uh, they cannot make mistakes. You know, when they make mistakes, I say, never mind, never mind. It's okay, right? <clears throat> so so I, I like to, to just elaborate a little bit because today's session isn't about psychological safety, but it does play a part in psychological well-being in the, in, in the workplace, I feel. Um, that psychological safety isn't about being soft or about cushioning uh, the mistakes, right? I think going back to what um, Kenneth mentioned earlier about acknowledging. So if a mistake is made, acknowledge the mistake, right? Acknowledge that the person has made a mistake acknowledge, and the person allow that person to also have that space to acknowledge their own mistakes. And kind of like everyone collectively uh, own that mistake Right, because if I have a if I have a colleague or a staff that made a mistake, very high chance they didn't make it on their own. 
they would have had a discussion or a conversation or they might have understood or heard something and interpreted it and therefore led to a certain mistake or a certain decision that they make. And, and perhaps if collectively as, 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 a, as a team and even as management, uh, I can say, okay, so a mistake was made, right? There's no way we can, un we can say that, no, la, no, la, this mistake they wasn't done, right? The mistake was made, right? But now, now knowing that a mistake was made, uh, what can we learn from this mistake? You know, what were, what were the, can we look back at which part of the process or the procedures, at which point was there a misinterpretation? Was it a communication issue or was it a, a understanding issue or was it a competency issue, right? And then from there, then we can say, what's next? If it's a competency issue, would training solve the problem? Right. Sometimes it doesn't, right? Because not every competency can be developed through just going sending sending the staff or sending sending myself or as, as a leader for a workshop. I might need to be coached. I might need to learn that particular skill set. Not necessarily not necessarily through a training, but maybe through practice over time. Right. If it is a if it is a procedural issue. Right, somewhere in along the way, in terms of communication or in terms of uh, interpretation of the information and data, uh, there was a gap. Maybe the email was it was not sent to the relevant parties. It was sent to someone else, or maybe the person that was sent to did not reply over the the last three days, and then because of the urgency of of what was required, I I. That, that staff that made the mistake had to make a decision. So instead of penalizing that staff, right, if, if, if it was based on that, it could be even you know, applauding the staff for having taken courage to make the decision despite not having gotten, gotten any, uh, any, any reaffirmation of, of the decision. Right? But that, that acknowledgement of courage does not equate to it was the was the appropriate thing to do. It was courage to say, you have taken the risk. Right. And this risk, unfortunately, due to this, was calculated. Right. So there are, there are actually a lot of layers in, in, in psychological safety to be able to address the, the situation and to be able to see how we can work with each other in a more objective manner where we are not say, ah, yeah, where finger pointing happens. I think a lot of times finger pointing happens. Ah, it's your fault. You know, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have that. A lot of the words should comes up. A lot of the, a lot of the, uh, it's, it wasn't me. I wasn't the one who made the decision. It was you, right? A lot of the finger pointing comes up. So, so then it doesn't feel safe. And when it doesn't feel safe for people uh, in an organization, uh, they actually, I think what Kenneth mentioned earlier on about that, that we live in a lot of fear uh, of working in this space, right? So Kenneth, would you like to elaborate a bit more about this, about you know, being fearful uh, in, in working in, a, in, in, in an organization or in a team? Sorry, Kenneth, I think we lost your sound. You're very soft suddenly. Okay, can you hear me? Ah, better. Thank you. Right. Okay, so I guess the fear is created um, by the perceived idea that someone is policing this person. Ah. Right. So if I feel that I'm being policed by somebody, by my bosses, by my uh, reporting officer, uh, then 
my anxiety, my fear would start uh, to surface. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so fearful of what people would talk about me, people about, uh, sorry, fearful about, uh, uh, whether my performance is up to par, uh, fearful about my performance grade, right, at the end of the year, right, fearful about what leaders would be talking about me behind my back, right? So, um, I guess this fear creates a lot of stress for people at work, right? So it's sometimes it's really not just about the work per se. Of course, work can give you stress. And of course, if you've got very tight deadlines, then of course that would create stress for you. But like I say, um, on top of stress, that is, that there could be a very, uh, uh, that, or rather that could be a very high level of fear uh, that is also undergirding these stresses as well. And nobody explores, very, or rather very few people explore fear, but they only look at stresses. And so a lot of times when uh, reporting officers talk to staff about uh, doing work appraisal and whatnot, of course the word, the word is work appraisal. So you are just supposed to you know, talk about work, but if work creates stress, right? Um, and if, and if you only talk about work, I think that is sometimes really not sufficient. I think we've also got to explore if there, if there is a certain level of fear that is impeding work or there is certain level of fear that is impeding uh, performance at work. Right. Of course, that is a very difficult topic to talk about, especially with a reporting officer. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think as leaders, we've got to address that with our staff as well. Uh, of course, not in a mean way, not in a way where you want to police that, you know, your staff or anything like that. But I think these are real concerns that staff would face at work or fear of competition, fear of another a colleague. So it may not be uh, uh, fear of uh, your leaders, but it could be fear of another colleague. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So uh, it's not just about this kind of stresses, but yeah, fear can be a, fear can be a very real factor in organizations. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. So, so I think it will be it will be good if we can expand on this topic and that could be another video for another day right where we talk about psychological safety in the workplace yeah, about this fear yeah. about trust about uh making mistakes about owning owning up to 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 certain challenges you know that we are experiencing yeah, yeah. do we find that we have a support uh, uh, you know some some people got have our backs you know in the in the organization uh, so that could mm. be a topic for another day for us to speak about i think bottom line mm. is um we do feel that and i'd like to <laughs> correct me again if i'm wrong kenneth but i think i can speak on your behalf to say that we do believe that organizations need to well cultivate some form of a culture uh, in terms of how they can support their colleagues or their staff to be psychologically well and and i think mm. both of us perhaps uh, Kenneth can elaborate a little bit more also. Uh, when we talk about support, one of the things that, that organizations will tend to do, right, is, okay, then I organize a, a self-care talk or I organize a workshop. We organize a team building, right, build 
aquarium together, you know, or we go for yoga session together. Um, that might not be the support that your colleagues or your staff will require to be psychologically well, right? It is definitely promoted so from a co- from a commercial and a and a business perspective. So I'm going to be really because I I'm I'm also a profit business, right? And and we do run workshops and, and trainings for for companies and organizations that that say, hey, you know, I want to uh, enhance my my staff's well being and uh, get get them to learn more about self care, right? Or get to to go through a yoga session or even a mindfulness program, right? To to you know support them with their well being. Um, I think one thing that Kenneth has mentioned to me before, and he can elaborate a bit more on this is that uh, different strokes for different not everyone will appreciate going through a yoga session and that's not how it's supportive of them in their well-being or their psychological well-being not everyone would uh, uh, would appreciate doing building terrarium <laughs> uh, yeah so maybe we can a little bit more when you when you mentioned that to me previously what what do you mean or what will work then if, if all these things don't work then what will work I, I mean, it really depends on the person's personality, right? Um, of course, I mean, in, it's easier said than done because I understand that in organizations, things can be extremely dynamic. Uh, I mean, you need to look into, you know, self-welfare funds. And then, you know, some companies would say that, you know, you need to use these funds. If not next year, you know, you will have a decrease in those funds and whatnot. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it's not as straightforward as... Uh, it is. I I mean, I understand that. Yeah, but I guess we are just throwing, I'm just trying to draw ideas and then, you know, and, and for companies or for organizations to, uh, you know, look into it, reflect on it and adapt, adjust and see what suits them best, right? Yeah, so so I thought um, sometimes we really, really need to look at the person's personality. I mean, if, I'm a, if I am an introvert and I do not wish to join your uh I mean, to join your activities, then then let me go home. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if if go, by going home, right, will actually make me work well, you know, at my workplace, you know, after I've rested enough, you know, and then I, I go back uh, to the workplace uh, uh, the next day feeling refreshed, then my, produ- then, then my pro- productivity can go up. But if, if, you know, if just because you need to spend that welfare fund, for example, right, and everyone, whether you, uh, whether you like it or not, you know, I can give you three choices. But what if I don't like three cho- the three choices that have been <laughs> given to me? But I mean, uh, I mean, what I, uh, I mean, if, if let's say I, I am not interested, I mean, if everyone were to like, you know, join in those activities, right, if really everyone would join to activities, and I'm one of them whom, who, who do not like these activities activities at all, and I still went ahead and joined it, right? I may feel that this is a burden. I may feel that this is taking up my personal space, my personal time, and I may resent, and I mm. may not like it. And then, uh, you know, I, if I don't feel rested, then uh, I mean rested for that day, then the next day I will not be able to perform as well, right? Or if if this accumulates, if this kind of culture accumulates, I only resent about the company. You know, then how is this creating uh, a positive energy for the company, right? So, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, again, it's easier said than done. But, I mean, uh, it's really up to organizations to 
see if they will take up this suggestion or not, right? Uh, maybe one of the suggestions will not be an activity. That's to actually just allow their staff to go home if they, if they want to, you know, right? And then get the HR to like, you know, see, uh, uh, do a needs assessment, right? To see uh, uh, what kind of welfare would suit them, you know, um, pre-arrange to see, you know, if I've got these activities, what, is, what would be the turnout rate, you know, before engaging any vendors. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and not to like, you know, engage vendors first before you start to like, you know, say, oh, everybody must come. You know, I think that's not, that's not too good, yeah. I feel. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think just to add on to that, right, because of, I think, Kenneth mentioned it really kind of spot on, right, to say that, you know, typically um, the, the HR team or the L&D team has a budget, right, for, for different, for different things. And sometimes, you know, in terms of, being effective in how I spend the budget. I try to accomplish as many objectives as possible within that same budget. I say, you know what, might as well, you know, to, to have thing or thing together with, you know, uh, a, a well, a, psycho a psychological well-being, you know, so we could do yoga together, terrarium building together, you know, uh, or go bowling together. And, and we hope that you know, with this same amount of money that we spend, it can hit more than one objective, lah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and sometimes I think what what Kenneth mentioned earlier was, was really true, right? If and, if and we're actually just talking about two different person, two just one set of different personalities, the introverts and the extrovert. Personalities which we probably have not touched upon yet. How the introverts would, would recharge and rejuvenate themselves in their psychological well-being will be a bit different from how the extroverts. Uh, or those with an extroversion um, want to recharge. So those with extroversion preference, they would probably say, you know, to for me to recharge and rejuvenate, right? I just want to go out and have fun. I want to be with people, you know, we just play together, go go-karting, you know, go KTV, um, that kind of thing, right? I just want to have drinks with, with, with a group of friends and then I energize later on to, to be able to then be more productive at work. Um, but the introverts that will actually expand their activity, uh, their, their energy, right? Uh, the introverts will say, I, I, I don't mind going because I know that this is also part of team bonding. But at the end of the activity, actually, I feel more drained, feel more tired, right? I won't be able to be as productive. Right. I, I get it. I get it from an organizational perspective, like why you want to do this, because it's part of team bonding to know each other better and so on and so forth. But it's not helping me with my psychological well-being. It's not going to help me recharge. It's not going to help me rejuvenate. Kenneth, you so want to add that, something? Yeah, yeah. So so actually, that is something that, that um, I think some organizations probably failed to see, that <laughs> team bonding is different from psychological well i mean when you when you organize activities for psychological well-being yeah i mean yes there are activities uh meant for psychology uh, to like you know build psychological well-being but it cannot be in a pretext of team bonding because team bonding it should be seen as something different right so i cannot say that oh because i'm yeah. um, i'm arranging this uh, for psychological well-being and then i'm also doing team bonding at the same time 
you know, uh, that doesn't quite work if you say that this is for staff <laughs> welfare. I don't know. I do not know how that works, right? But I just feel that, you know, uh, team bonding and psychological well-being probably has got to be seen separate, as, as separate entities, right? There are times about, yes, you want to build a team, but there are times really if it's uh, for psychological well-being, if it's for staff welfare, and if you organize activities, then it's really up to the free will of staff to see if they want if they want to participate in them, yeah. right? And you cannot say that oh, well, I'm, I'm, but this can, this is also for for team bonding. I think it should be separated, mm. unless we are saying that you know, oh, it's team bonding, but at the same time, it's really for team bonding. So the pretext is team bonding and not and not welfare, <laughs> but you bring in certain fun elements into it. Yeah, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I guess uh, some organizations they actually blend in the two of it, uh, two of them, uh, which you know blurs the line between whether is this yeah. really for staff welfare or is this for team bonding, yeah. because I think they serve two different purposes. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so I, I guess, you know, how, how can organizations support staff and colleagues? I think a few things that uh, Kenneth mentioned about being aware or being um, paying in your staff strength. Be aware of like what, what their preferences might be uh, as, as the, the staff that are working with you, as the colleagues that are working around you. So that's one of the key things to perhaps be, be more aware of, right, in terms of their personality. I think the other thing is really your intention, right, as, as, uh, as the organization. When you're organizing uh, different events or different programs or putting in place certain uh, different uh, procedures or policies, right? Uh, what's the intention behind this policy, or what's this, the intention behind this event that you're organizing, right? If 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 it's first and foremost psychological well-being, right? Are are we aware of uh, what what supports each individual staff? And some like kind of acknowledge that, and and I would like to chime in to also acknowledge that, right? That. Um, it's not going to be easy because an SME is anything between 50 to 100 people. Don't talk about MNCs, right? MNCs are even larger, uh, up to a thousand or more than a thousand people in the organization. To know every person's idiosyncrasies, every person's preferences, and then catering to every person is not be easy. However, there could be creative ways that we could go about doing this. Right, if if it's about psychological well-being, um, there are pockets of or groups of people that have similar preferences. So if we again use back the analogy of those with a preference for introversion and those with a preference for extroversion, the budget could be split out accordingly. So those who have a preference for introversion, they could be given a budget of I don't know ten dollars, twenty dollars per person. Pick, pick one person from your team to, to have a tea with, you know, to have a lunch break with so that you can have a good conversation with each other uh, about, you know, what, what's, what's keeping you up at night, you know, or what, you know, so you can, you can give them options of what to talk about uh, as part of this, this sharing. There's a certain element of team bonding, perhaps with one or two other persons, but not with like a gang of a thousand people, right? Uh, so that there could be some, still some level of team bonding, getting to know each other a bit better. 
uh, but that's that that will cater to that introversion crowd, perhaps. And this is just off the cuff, right? About a suggestion what what organizations can do. And then you could budget uh, maybe a three, two three hundred dollars for those with extroversion, because they don't, you know, a buffet for them to come together. You know, go for a bowling session while having the buffet, and they are fine doing that. And that's part of taking care of their psychological well being, right? It's about how we can be be more creative or more innovative with the budget that we have and to also allow level of flexibility and choice for our colleagues to exercise what will be responsible for themselves and responsible towards the organization uh, in how to take care of their well-being. Right. So for some people, maybe, you know, the way that I can be psycho I can take care of my psychological well-being is if I read a book about self-care. So can can I use go and purchase a book and then learn about self for myself? Right. For some could be I want to go for a drink with my friend. Friend, one friend, two friends. <laughs> yeah. So so these are these are just some suggestions. I it, it, it's not gonna be easy to execute, I would imagine, especially if the organizations get larger and larger. Uh, at the same time, it's not going to be, it, it will give some some form of flexibility for that, right? Yeah, so, so you know, I guess really the time is not enough for us to have to continue with like elaborating a lot more because there's so many other possibilities and so many options that we can probably share and so many scenarios that are out there. We would definitely love to hear from you. And if this is a topic that you after hearing what we have shared, we haven't quite been conclusive about it or there are a lot more things that you want to, to, to learn more about in terms of psychological well-being in the workplace, uh, please do drop us messages, right? Whether you private message us uh, or you could just drop comments into this video um, and then let us know, like, what are your thoughts? You know, what are the challenges perhaps you face in your workplace that might have supported well-being and what perhaps in your workplace you could right what your workplace also done to support you in being psychologically well right and, and then perhaps from there we can say hey you know there's enough um ideas or enough uh, uh, concerns that are brought up that we might want to do a rerun of this uh in our subsequent sessions and we also have a AMA session in May ask me anything session so we could also talk about some of these questions or concerns or these success stories that you, you might have with your organizations uh, with regards to how they have supported you with being psychologically well. Right. So with that, we're going to end today's session. Thank you everyone who has popped in and out, you know, to just uh, join in this conversation. We had like eight to ten viewers at some point in time. And, you know, in between, we also have maybe about six or five viewers. And I think, you know, some of you are consistent staying throughout. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking your Chinese New Year period to join us uh, during this conversation. Um, and then whoever that popped in and out, hopefully this has been beneficial for you. This video will stay on Facebook and also on uh, YouTube if you are on our YouTube channel. Uh, so you can always pop back in to just view the entire video if you missed out some part and you say, hey, you know, I'm curious about what you spoke about earlier or spoke about it. Right. So once again, thanks everyone. Uh, our next session will be in March and we will zoom in a little bit tighter into this conversation about uh, psychological well-being and we're going to go to a place where we have adults and uh, we will be talking about psychological well-being in the school setting 
right? Because um, in the workplace, we have already shared about how the impact is uh, when, in terms of productivity and effectiveness. Um, when we go into the school setting, uh, the definition of productivity and effectiveness is a bit different because the impact is also a bit different and cannot speak a lot more about that as well because he is also very familiar with the school environment. Uh, he is a teacher, uh, not, not exactly full-time, full-time teacher. He is a teacher and he has a few years of teaching experience uh, full-time. Uh, and how, as a teacher or as a staff of the school, um, how their well-being might impact the well-being of the students and vice versa, right? And that, that becomes an important because I guess one of the, the things that we experience throughout this pandemic as well is how the students in the schools are also impacted in their psychological well-being by having to have home-based learning or not having to go to school and interact with their friends. Um, and even before that, before the pandemic hit, there has also been conversations about youth depression, suicide even. And this has got to do, which is why in Singapore, for those of you who are listening to us from overseas, Singapore, we actually have a multi-government multi agency setting up a committee to actually spearhead what we call the Youth Wellbeing Network. Because it's such an important topic that our government has decided that it needs to have a task on its own to kind of ideate or come up with more uh, avenues and channels to support the youth in their mental well-being and their mental health, right? So that will be a topic for our next session, right? And if, you, if this is a topic that interests you because you're a parent, because you're an educator, or because simply you're a youth yourself, right? And you find that, you know, I have all these questions and I don't, I, I, I really just want to hear from people who have experience in this area, like what is this all about? Then join us in the next session. We will be sharing a bit more details about where the date is and so we look forward to seeing you as well. Kenneth, any last words for our audience before we say goodbye? Ah, okay. Stay safe. Um, and stay <laughs> psychologically well at workplace. And yeah, just 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 uh, be as joyful as you can. Uh, and catch yourself when you are not feeling too good. Really seek support. I think that's important. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We're going to sign off and say goodnight. Thank you for being a part of this uh, session with us. And take care. See you at the session. Bye. Bye-bye.